Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Welcome to Creston Church. My name is Joel Lawrence. I'm an elder here. We've been praying for this time and place that all those who gather here will have an encounter with the living God. The good news for us this morning is that the living God is here, and he greets us with these words. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, from the fullness of the Spirit which is before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the rulers of this earth. And all God's people say together, Amen. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the life you have given us this day. We thank you for bringing us together as the people of God to worship you. O Spirit of the living God, Descend upon your church this morning. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you. In your mercy, O Lord, hear our prayer. And in our worship, may we be conformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you forever. Amen.
Hello, Creston Church. My name is Chris Colvin. Uh, today, we also show uh, thanks and praise in response to God's grace through our offering. There are a couple of ways to give during this time, including the postal service, uh, as well as Creston Church's online giving program, uh, the link for which can be found in the weekly update email. Please be sure to designate clearly what cause you would like your offering to go to. Our special offering for today uh, which can also be found in the weekly update email, is for World Renew, which joins communities around the world to renew hope, reconcile lives, and restore creation. Compelled by God's passion for justice and mercy, this arm of the Christian Reformed Church focuses on three areas, community development, disaster response, and advocacy. Our weekly offering is for the other ministries of our church and denomination, which allow us to minister within our own community and around the world. Good morning, Creston Church. My name is Jess Colvin, and here are some announcements regarding the activities going on in our church. Our church is participating in a coat collection for Roosevelt Park Ministries. Today through October 12, we will be collecting new and gently used coats. They will make these available to the families they serve through their ministry. All items should be clean and in good condition. There is a box on Case Michelson's front porch at 1515 Cole Avenue Northeast for your donations. Boys, girls, men's, and women's coats are of all sizes are needed, especially children's coats. Please pray for the search committee as it meets this afternoon. They'll be finalizing the church profile for council's approval at its October meeting. Soon after that, we'll be ready to advertise and receive applications from pastors interested in leading our ministry at Creston. They'll let us know soon how we can continue to be involved in this process. The October-January volunteer schedule has been updated in the weekly email links. Notice it only includes the relevant volunteer positions while we are recording virtual services, morning prayer, worship teams and planners, and accompanist. Hello, my name is Chad Heisinga. I am the Youth and Family Discipleship Pastor at Park Lane Christian Reformed Church in Portland, Oregon. And a few of you might be thinking, who's this random guy they got to preach for us from Portland? Well, as a lot of people know, I attended Creston uh, while I was in seminary for three years, and I consider Creston to be my home church. And so I got to know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends still at Creston, and I'm always excited to be able to preach there. Sadly, I can't do it in person, but that's kind of one of the beautiful things that we can do during this time is have people from all over the world uh, preach in a virtual space. So thanks again to Pastor Beverly and Noah for reaching out to uh, ask if I wanted to come and help lead worship and preach today. I'm excited to do it. It's now is our time in our service when we take time to offer our prayers to God share prayer requests as a community and make sure and pray for each other encouragement do those things so i'm going to read a couple prayer requests that have been sent we're going to continue to pray for um, the cry family they have a friend who had their second baby um, and the baby is in the NICU and sounds like not doing so great so the baby's name is reuven and we'll pray for them uh, we're going to pray for Greg's uncle with cancer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just keep praying for that. It seems like it's a scary situation. We're going to continue to pray for Jane Toll and her family. 
Um, pray for the cruises. They ask for prayer requests for, yeah, balancing being a family during COVID. It's can't, it's gotta be tough. So prayers for you guys. We're gonna continue to pray for uh, Pastor Beverly and her family and her with her mother who is receiving hospice care. Um, yeah, we're just continuing to pray for her um, and her family during this difficult time. Uh, we're going to pray for Julie Drenth, who is dealing with uh, in, uh, some uh, tendonitis issues. Uh, yeah, continue to pray for that. Uh, pray for Jeff, a former Crescent Church member, Jeff Bowman. Uh, he's going through some chemotherapy treatments. Uh, we're going to continue to pray for Case's sister, Kelly, who's dealing with drug addiction. Um, we're thankful that Nick Scobie was able to get a job, so that's really exciting. Uh, continue to pray for Ellison's family after the tragic car accident. Um, let's see. Uh, Ken's dad, Ralph, fell like about a month ago. We're going to continue to pray for that. Please join me um, in prayer today. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we come to you on this day, this day of rest that you have given to us to remind us that we are not superhuman. We need time to rest. We need a break, especially during these difficult times we face. Lord, we know that we can't handle it on our own. We have family commitments. We have physical ailments in our families or in our own lives. Lord, we're dealing with children or parents or spouses, and we're all a lot closer than we thought we'd ever really wanted to be. And so, Lord, a lot of us, we come into your presence today with stress and anxieties, fears for the future, concern for the injustices that are happening in our society, systemic issues like racial injustice, medical issues, and neglect. Lord, sometimes it feels so helpless that we, we just throw up our hands. And we turn to you because we feel like there's no other place to turn. But Lord, we know that you are the perfect place for us to turn in prayer. Prayer for all the things, all the all of the challenges, all of the all of the frustrations, the anxieties, the hurts, the worries that we have, Lord, we bring them to you. We offer, offer them to you, Lord, because we know, we know that you are a God who cares, that a God who sent Jesus, who became, who took on flesh, entered into the mess, knows what it feels like to have those anxieties, those worries, to, to be a part, to be, to be involved in a world ruled by corruption to be living as someone who is marginalized and faces systemic violence. No, someone who knows what it is like 
to lose family members and friends, to, to, to diseases, to social injustice. Jesus, you've entered into this world. You've died on the cross. You rose again from the dead. You know what we experience. You're with us during this difficult, these difficult times. And you set us free from those worries, those anxieties, those concerns. Not so that we can just pretend to live happily ever after, but so that we can enter into the work that you've begun, that you are in control of. Lord, not so that we can, through our own strength, through our own superhuman, seemingly superhuman ability, achieve all of these things, but so that we can join with your work, join with your church around the world, join in the ministry of reconciliation, to bring all things, to make all things new, to show people where true justice lies, where true healing lives, to be a part of a community that would bring about radical change in our communities, radical healing and caring for all people. Lord, we join together as a church because we believe that. Even during these dark times, maybe even especially during these dark times, Lord, when we have so much on our chests, when we have so much we're dealing with, when sometimes it feels like a global pandemic is the least of our concerns. We know you're with us. We know you know what it feels like. You are the ultimate empathizer. And you're the one who sets us free in order for a purpose, to serve with you. Lord, as we come into your presence today as we listen to the words you have for us in the Bible. We pray that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be ready to hear the words you have for us, that Holy Spirit, you'd be working in us, in our spaces, in our homes, with our families, with our roommates, even on our own, Lord. That Holy Spirit, you'd be moving us to grow more and more into your likeness, Jesus. Continue to be with us, Lord. Help us to remind ourselves as we enter into your as we continue to be in your presence for worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our passage today is from 1 John 2, 15 through 17. If you want to take some time uh, to turn into your Bible, or pull it up on your phone, pull it up on your computer, whatever you need to do, or just listen to the words that God has for us today. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Hear these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before I begin, I just wanted to share that my sermon today takes a lot of cues from this book, You Are What You Love by Jamie Smith. 
He's a Calvin College prof. Uh, I love this book, highly recommend reading it. You are what you love. It's not too hard. It's a pretty easy read. Yeah, I just wanted to share that before we begin. Um, and one of the things, one of the, the pieces that Jamie Smith references is this 1979 movie called Stalker. Uh, it's a Russian film, and in the it's a sci-fi film. In the movie, um, there is an area of Russia called the Zone, and no one really knows what happened there. Potentially, some sort of um, weird nuclear test or paranormal experiment, but it caused this large area of the Russian wilderness to get all weird and kind of. Uh, Phys the laws of physics, same laws of physics don't apply there. So the government walls it off and they don't let anyone go in. And even the military people who are stationed there are afraid to go inside. But there's a rumor that goes around, around the country, that inside the zone, there is a room. And in that room, the greatest desire of your heart would be fulfilled. And so our characters, the professor and the writer, they want to go see if this rumor is true. So they hire a guide, one of many guides called stalkers, to take them in to the zone, and the stalker brings them to this room. And after some weird psychological trips that happens, the stalker, the writer, and the professor, they stand at this door. And the stalker tells them, this is the most important day of your life. Once you cross through this door, the deepest desire of your heart will be fulfilled. And then a question that nobody thought about comes to the writer and the professor. What if I don't know what the greatest desire of my heart is? I may think I know what it is, but is that the same thing as knowing what it is? And that's really the question that Pastor John, that the writer of 1 John is asking us, do you know what you love? Do you know what the greatest desire of your heart is? That's the question that Pastor John is posing to his church, to this church that he helped plant, the churches that he helped plant, probably all around Turkey, the ones that were dealing with ethnic and racial tensions, dealing with cultural issues, cult different cultural traditions, all of these things. Pastor John is posing them the same question. What do you love? You may think you know. You know. We, you probably don't even think. You probably know that the right answer is to say Jesus. But do you? Do you love Jesus more than anything? Is that truly your first love? Or do you still love the things of this world? Do your actions show that you love God? You know, because Pastor John's telling them that you can't love the things of this world and still love God. And no, Pastor John is not saying that you can't go love walking on the beach. You can't love hiking in the mountains. We're not talking about enjoying God's creation, enjoying the things of this world. We're talking about 
loving the sinful structures of this world, the things that would, you know, benefit few and oppress the many, all the desires that distract distract us from God, whether that's loving stuff or loving others improperly or loving ourselves improperly. You see, Pastor John, he probably knows the church that he's writing to better than anyone else. See, the writer of this letter, John, he was, he probably was writing this letter to a group of churches that he helped plant, probably in in what is now modern day Turkey, Asia Minor. And they, probably one even in the big city of Ephesus. So these are people that Pastor John knows well, people that are cosmopolitan, probably not super Jewish, a lot of Gentiles, dealing with a lot of different things. And in this passage, he's calling them out. He's calling out the individuals, the people in his church who are still loving the world, who are loving the sinful things of this world. Those ancient consumers who thought, if I just have the right stuff, if I just buy the right thing, if I just show off my wealth, then I'll be fulfilled. Or, you know, those people who are dealing with wrong for, wrongful sexual relationships, who are, you know, improperly loving others. Maybe they're taking advantage of other people. Maybe they're hoping to find their fulfillment in their partners, even the, not the romantic ones, the friendship. Or those who are dealing with the pride of their social status, hoping that if they just do the right things, they'll look good to the community. Pastor John says, no, you can't love those things and love Jesus. You can't love what the world loves and and have the love of Jesus in you. And the reason that it's such a problem is because love is a form of worship. When we love something, when we love something over God or on par with God and the same level as Jesus, that means that we are worshiping something. We are worshiping something above Jesus and we're committing idolatry. We can't love the things of this world and have the love of Jesus in us. You know, in the book that I talked about, there is a quote from David Foster Wallace that I'm going to read. It's really insightful. David Foster Wallace, I don't think was a Christian, but hey, all truth is God's truth. And I think this is very true. He writes, there is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. An outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship power and you will feel weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to keep that fear at bay. Worship your intellect being seen as smart and you will, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud always on the verge of being found out. The insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day. 
That was David Foster Wallace. And I just find that so fascinating that he shares this truth that all the things in this world, they're not neutral. They're actively trying to get us to worship them, whether it's through fancy ad campaigns, through it's some sort of political pressure. All the things of this world are trying to grab our attention and suck us in to get us to love them rather than God. So the question that we have, we have to ask ourselves is what are we worshiping Monday through Saturday? Sure, like, us, like we've, we've shared at the beginning, we may know the right answer to the question, what do you love? But is that truly what we love? What is our chief desire that we are working towards? Because just like Pastor John says, we can't worship the things of this world and have the love of God in us. So we can't claim to worship at the altar of capitalism, or we can't claim to worship at the altar of socialism and still have the love of Jesus in us. We can't have extreme love for the Republican or Democratic Party and have the love of Jesus. We can't even love our church or our church tradition, like the CRC, and love that over God. These things become idols in our lives. It's John Calvin who wrote the great line, or as, it's as paraphrased, our hearts are idol factories. We're really good at loving things over God. But you know, we all know these things. We all know that this is not what we're called to do, love things over God. But we still try to fill our hearts with all sorts of these things anyway. We tell our stuff, if I just tell ourselves, if we just buy this new thing, if we just have this new thing, then we will be satisfied. Or maybe if others approve of me, if I have just the right approval from my spouse, from my friends, my romantic partner, then I will be happy. Maybe if I just love myself in a better way, if I just have a more positive attitude towards myself, if I, if I just think about myself in the right way, then I will finally, things will finally go better for me. And in the meantime, Pastor John is like hitting us over the head with the cross and saying, it didn't work last time. Why do you think it works this time? So the question is, is, John, is Pastor John suggesting that in order for us to not love the things of this world, that we need to wall ourselves off, separate ourselves off from anyone else? Did the Amish get it right? Are we supposed to be separate, you know, have separate economies, you know, have Christian communities completely separate from secular communities, do everything different? And if that's the case, how do we be in the world but not yet of it? And that's why, and this is where I often think, and I turn to thinking about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And I like to imagine some guy sitting in Pastor John's church as he's, they're reading off this letter. And this guy, probably a little bit of a smart aleck, is thinking to themselves, well, what about John 3.16? What about the part you wrote in your gospel? 
For God so loved the world. Well, the easy answer would be to dismiss it and say, well, John's talking about something else there. And that's not entirely untrue. But I think looking at John 3.16, thinking about John 3.16 in light of this passage is actually quite helpful. You see, when we think about Jesus' love for the world, when we think about God's love for the world, what does that look like? What, well, Christ comes into the world. Christ enters into the world he, as God. He takes on flesh. He comes in as a little baby. And, God, and, 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 G, and like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Jesus takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And he shows that true power comes from giving ourselves away to others. So that's what true love of God looks like. And the love that Christ comes in with, the purpose of it is to redeem the creation, to make all things new. Maybe Pastor John would have answered this question by borrowing from Pastor Paul. And he's telling people that Christ came to redeem all things, to make all things new and call people to him. So this radical love, this true love from God, is also deeply transformative. And here's the thing. The love that Jesus ushers in, this radical, transformative love, it's overflowing, right? Jesus is the living water. The world tries to tell us that love is, is a finite resource. You only get so much. So hold on to it. Don't be too, you know, don't be too liberal with it. Make sure you hold on to love and, and you know, get as much as you can and hold on to it. Not, don't give too much out. But Jesus tells us that love is abundant and it's spilling out and it's pouring all over the world. It's overflowing. There's abundant love to give in Christ. So here's the thing. When we look at what Pastor John writes in 1 John, in relation to what he writes in John 3.16, it really helps us because it shows that Jesus loves the world perfectly. That Jesus shows the world what true love is by entering into this world, taking on flesh, by sacrificing himself for us in order to transform the world and to pour out his love over all things. The love of Christ is redemptive and overflowing. And so we love Jesus because of what he has done for us. And it is through us that we help share and spill out the love of God towards the world. So, Pastor John tells us in 1 John 2... To not love the things of this world. And that is true. But we do love the world through Jesus. Because of what Jesus does, because of his perfect love, he is able to love and transform and renew all the things of this world. To do it loosely, to do it freely, to pour out his love, to spill it all over the place. Because he loves us, we're invited into that. So, how do we stop loving the things of this world? How do we stop being crazy consumerists? How do we stop trying to get people to fulfill our desires? How do we stop trying to, you know, 
to just, you know, will ourselves as a strength to be good people. Well, this is again where I think Jamie Smith is in, comes into play. And Jamie Smith, he says worship. Worship is one of the primary ways that we reorient our love back to where it's supposed to be, away from the worship of things of this world and to the worship of God, to the turning our love back towards Jesus by forming good spiritual habits that are countercultural, that are, are, are against what the world tells us by coming to a worship space, whether that's in person or virtually, on a regular basis. You see, that's one thing that I think is so awesome about worship, about coming to worship. Like I said, whether it's in person or whether it's virtually, whether it's family devotional time, whether it's personal devotional worship time. Our worship is countercultural and transformative. Think about it. Think about the order of our worship services in our church tradition, right? When we come into worship, we tell ourselves that we are entering into, a, into God's spiritual presence, right? We're focusing on God rather than what the world tells us, focusing on ourselves, right? Christian worship is countercultural. We acknowledge that we worship God, a God who tells us what to do. We, we acknowledge that we listen to a higher authority rather than our own individual self. We take time to confess our sins, willingly admit that we make mistakes regularly, we sin, and we need to be corrected. You want to talk about something that's countercultural? We submit to rules. We, we submit to guidelines for living rather than saying, I am the most important. We submit to community, to each other, reminding ourselves that we're responsible for one another rather than being an individual person. And we, we, we give our money away. We say money doesn't control us. It's actually been given to us as a gift. By God. Christian worship is incredibly countercultural when you break it down that way. But it's a reminder that the world is forming us, it's discipling us. The world is trying to get us to develop spiritual habits to worship the things of this world. Whether it's going to the mall, watching TV, watching sports, there's more religion in the world than just Islam and Buddhism. Because we are being discipled. And when we come into worship, when we enter in to a Christian community, the church, that we submit ourselves to one another, when we submit ourselves to God, we, tell, we, we proclaim a countercultural act. We, we have this countercultural claim that we do love God more than the things of this world. And we are willing to, to submit to each other, to, to go against the things that this world teaches us in order for us to more fully live into the reality of that transformative love of Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we come to you today. We come to you in this time, Lord. Many of us, myself included, where we don't worship you perfectly. 
We have plenty of things that we worship in this world that we love. We love these things in our world. But Lord, we're here in this time because we want to turn our love more towards you. We want to grow in your transformative, overflowing love, the love that, that is redeeming all things, Lord. You redeemed us from the pit in order to set us free, Lord. And so we want to take our time. We do set apart some time today, but each day, Lord, in order to serve you, to grow in these spiritual ways, these spiritual habits. Help us, Lord. Help us as we serve you this week. Give us the strength to know where your spirit is leading us, the wisdom to know where your spirit is leading us, and the strength to respond to your calling each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue our worship with our song of response. Our song of response is probably not well known to any of you. It is another of Fanny Crosby's songs. Fanny was a prolific songwriter, wrote many hymns. One of the interesting little tidbits for you to pay attention to, Fanny Crosby was blind. Listen as we sing the words of this song and listen to all of the references to seeing and sight and vision that Fanny Crosby put into her hymns. Take the world, but give me Jesus.
people of God, Creston Christian Reformed Church, it's so good to be able to worship with you virtually, lead you in worship. Thank you again to Pastor Beverly and Noah for reaching out to me. I, may, I long for the day that I can come see you all again in person. And when, until we're able to do that, blessings as you have these virtual online services. You know, normally I'm the type of person who is kind of against a lot of using a technology, but we can be thankful that we've been able to have technological advances to continue to worship and to be connected as a community during this time, even across continents. So thanks again. Blessings, everybody. People of God, we are called to do more than just gather in our own little communities all week. We don't, you know, we, when we enter into God's presence on Sunday, whether that's in person, whether that's individually in our homes or with some other people in our own homes, we don't stay here. We have been called to serve God, to continue to go out and share and spread and the love of Christ and to work for the redemption of all things, the ministry of reconciliation. So we are called to go out into the world. but We don't go alone. We go and we do it as a community of believers, supporting each other and encouraging each other. We also go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And with this blessing... May God go before you to guide you. May God go behind you to protect you. May God go beneath you to support you. God go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Go in peace.